0: Can we give our youth a big God bless you for leading us into worship this morning? Don't ever take things for granted. Amen? Sometimes you don't realize what you have until you've been somewhere else, and then you realize, maybe I should have been more thankful for that, right? Don't ever take prophecy for granted. Don't think, oh, there's God talking again. No, that's we should say, there's God talking again, right? Amen. What was a word today? Fire, right? Somebody say fire. It's not my message; it's just a fun word to say. I like that. Amen. Well, happy Father's Day uh, to you all. I'm getting happy Father's Day texts from people from other countries, too. It's kind of fun. So a lot of spiritual sons, and I appreciate all my spiritual sons, and it's a wonderful thing. Did you tell your dad, if you have your father with you, did you tell him Happy Father's Day today? Sound that good? Did you tell the father, Happy Father's Day? Can we say that? Can we say that together? Say, Father. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for loving me even when I didn't deserve it. Thank you for calling me your child. I love you, Father. Amen. Let's jump in. The word of the cross. Everybody say that. Word of the cross. It was kind of funny. Bishop... How many of you were here for Bishop Joseph Garlington? Wasn't that just powerful? If you were not in this room, you missed something powerful. Um, One thing after... (laughs) After he preached, oh, six or eight people came up to me and they said, I know where you get it now because he makes you say things and he makes you read scriptures and all that, right? Okay, that's like father, like son, I guess. Let's look. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 10 through 24,
1: okay?
0: <clears throat> Starting at verse 10, it says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters... Isn't it neat that they always called each other brothers and sisters? Do you call each other brother and sister? Do you? Do you? Do you do that? We should should do that. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I have been informed concerning you, my brothers and sisters, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Hmm. Things happened back then that still happen now, right? (laughs) Now, I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I'm with Paul, or I'm with Apollos, or I'm with Cephas, or I'm with Christ. Has Christ been divided? Paul was not crucified for you, was he? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I'm thankful that I baptized, Paul says, none of you except Crispus and Gaius, 15, so that, verse 15, so that no one would say to you, you were baptized in my name. But I, I did baptize a house full of Stephanus also. And beyond that, I don't know if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would be made of no effect. Read verse 18 with me. For the word of the cross is foolishness, to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the understanding of those who have understanding. I will confound. And then it says in verse 20, where's the wise person? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Doesn't this sound like this was just written like yesterday, right? Have you heard some debaters in our age? I mean, there, there's some people that are saying some stuff. We're going to talk about that. Has God made, not made the foolish of the wisdom of the world? For since, for 21, for, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those. Who believe for indeed Jews ask for signs and Greeks seek for wisdom. But we read verse 23 but we preach Christ. Cru- <clears throat> Some of you don't have your voice turned on yet. Let's read 23 again. Go, but we preach Christ crucified. Okay, then it says, To Jews, a stumbling block, and to Gentiles, foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. What do we preach? The power of God and the wisdom of God. Then 25 says something interesting. For the foolishness of God is wiser than mankind, and the weakness of God is stronger than mankind. Now, I want to show you something. In the interlinear, if you want to look up something, um, we'll we'll make this a, a class for just two minutes here. If you want to look up something really interesting, um, if you type in a scripture and type interlinear, you'll see the scripture come up exactly how it was originally written. So if you do interlinear in the Old Testament, what language is going to pop up? Hebrew. Hebrew. Okay? If you do it in the New Testament, what language is going to come up? Greek, right? So, so this is what testament are we in? New Testament. So this this is this is the Greek and and in the Greek it actually says um, the word foolishness is is the word morone which means it's where we get a word <laughs> please don't look at the person sitting next to you when you say that word that's not what this message is about this morning <laughs> okay <laughs> stop looking at me too <laughs> okay <clears throat> I saw somebody going, I'm not looking at anybody but you, Pastor have I, I, Matt, turn your eye. Don't look at me, please. Okay, so the foolishness is the moron of God. One of my great Greek friends who wrote a book called um, um, Treasures from the Greek Text, um, who lives in Greece, actually, wrote this book. And the word moron means newborn baby in Greek. When they say to moron, that's how the Greeks say, that it actually, in, in Bible times, it meant baby. Um, weakness is athenes, which is a compound adjective of a and athenos, meaning like a child. So he goes on to say, so according to above, we read, because God's baby is wiser than men. This is really how it's really being translated here. So according to what we read, because God's baby is wiser than men and the weak child of God is stronger than men. So that means when you first come to Christ, the babe that just comes to the altar, comes to the foot of the cross, comes to accept Jesus Christ, now becomes, what? Wiser than the wisest of men. Why? Because now that he has Christ in him, the hope of glory, he has access to wisdom far beyond worldly wisdom, right? Can we even call what the world has wisdom I, I almost feel weird saying that, okay? Because it's that's foolishness. It's foolishness. I don't know if you've heard a lot. I don't know if you're hearing what I've been hearing. Uh, when Pastor Ben started his message, I thought, oh, man, this this is actually called um, the Word of the Cross or subtitled. Do you remember? What was that show, that cartoon? Rocky and Bo Winkle? You guys are too young to know Rocky and Bo Winkle, But they say, tune in next week for, you know... Um, Bowinkle flies the plane, or it was a really bad crash. You know, they had that little subtitle under there. Um, you, some of you don't know. Just Google it. You'll see. You're too young. So, when Pastor Ben was speaking last week, I thought, Wow, holy smokes, um, that's he's he's dipping into my notes here. You you can say, Holy smokes, that's what happens when an angel disappears after it appeared. You see, holy smokes. Okay, okay. So then it says. Because God's baby is wiser than men and the weak child of God is stronger, the answer as to in what the baby of God is wiser than men and the weak child of God is stronger in is to be found in John 2, 1 John 2.14. He says, I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Because what's the scripture say? Greater is he that is within me than he that's in the world. Now, I don't know about you, but like I said earlier, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things, and, and they're trying to get us to, to change our vocabulary of how we talk and how we say things, how, how you think. See, here, here's the system. This is how it works, no matter who you are. Thoughts. Everything starts as a thought, right? Thoughts become words. So you think it, then you say it. Thoughts become words. Words become actions. Actions become habits. Habits become your character. And character determines your destiny. So, what they want to do now is they want to, instead of taking the word of the cross and, and, and God's word, they're saying, we're going to change the way you think. Now, that's a biblical concept. The world's actually taken a biblical concept. Do you realize that? How do you come to Christ? Acts 2, the first part of Acts 2.38, you know, Peter's preaching this message, and they said, oh, man, what, what must we do to be saved? And Peter said unto them, what's the first word? repent what's repent it's the greek word meteneu which means change how you think so the world is trying to get you to repent that you even knew god they're trying to get you to change how you think how did they do that somebody wicked and this this stuff and i'm telling you the stuff that i'm seeing and hearing is pure hell pure from the, from the deepest, hottest fire burning hell I've ever seen. And, and it's getting hotter and hotter. Why? <laughs> I think we need to take the water of the word <laughs> and extinguish some of that, some of that hell fire because it says our minds are washed by the water of the word, right? <clears throat> so they, they, they have these new words, right? Have you noticed how many of these new words are, are... They're getting forced in our vocabulary, and we just say them. Gender dysphoria. Never heard that when I was a little kid, right? That's clinically significant distress caused when a person assigned birth gender is not the same as the one with which they identify, okay? Uh, oh, oh, here's one. Have you heard this? Gender expansive. A person, wider, more flexible range of gender identity. Non-binary, that's a common one. See, words are getting common. Now, you heard this one before, right? Non-binary. An adjective describing a person who does not identify exclusively as a man or a woman. Non-binary people may identify as being both man and woman, somewhere in between, or as falling completely outside of both the categories, Okay, so what do I have to say to that? Well, the Scripture says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You, you can't be double-minded, right? Okay? You, you can't think, well, I'm going to be this now, and then I'm going to be that later. Okay? Now, that sounds nice if we're talking about that sort of conduct, but well, I'm, I'm going to be Christian and when I'm in the sanctuary on Sunday, but when Monday comes, maybe, maybe, are, 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 are there, is, there such, is there such a thing as a non-binary Christian? <laughs> maybe I'm going to, <laughs> maybe if that lady cuts me off the, when she come, crosses over, maybe I'm going to turn into a non-binary <laughs> Christian. <laughs> I'm not going to be, no, you can't do that. You can't do that, right? Oh, no, are you sitting down? Okay. I don't even want to say this word, but it's in my notes. Woke. In its modern-day politicized context, woke is defined as well-informed, help us, Jesus, up-to-date, alert to racial or social discrimination and injustice. The Urban Dictionary explains that being woke means being awake, knowing what's going on in the community related to racism and social injustice. Well, what's my comment to that? <laughs> the, see, the scripture says, see, when, if you get away from the word of the cross, the word that Jesus Christ put, which is, he says, Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone that no other foundation is laid except that which is Christ Jesus. So whatever Jesus said, somebody had this song a long time ago that said... Uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, I don't, I don't agree with that whole thing. The whole, the, the, what I agree with is God said it, that settles it. <laughs> if God, and this is where people have a problem. If you have a problem with the cross, we, we talked about sacrifice. How many of you sang the word sacrifice today? Did You you, you know what that means? That means it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. I remember not long ago, I was, I was trimming my my branches at my house with this hedge trimmer, you know? you know, you know, and and a, a, a twig got stuck in it, and I let go of the front, I held it, I let go of the handle, so it's totally stopped, I pulled the twig out, and it went, and did a full rotation into my left palm right here. Some of you might remember I wore that little thing for a long time, and as I dropped it, it kind of hit my finger and almost chopped the end of my index finger off but it went so deep into my hand, I still can't totally make a fist in this hand. because I mean, it, it went in, and it hurt. It cut deep. When you get sacrificed, and, and I had to pay attention to how I functioned because of what happened in my hand, because I got cut. When, when there's a sacrifice, the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. There's, people don't like to get cut to the heart. Because it means if you're cut to the heart, you have to change. And I don't want to change because I'm telling you how I'm going to be. And how many of you know with God it doesn't work that way? God calls the shots. You don't call the shots. The problem is if I I don't want somebody calling the shots for me, then I need to get rid of the one who's calling the shots. So now I have to get rid of God. Some people have said, oh, it's a, a sin. Is it, it's, it's, it's not a, a sin issue at the core. It's a God issue at the core. If you get rid of God, what's, what's left? What's left, right? Um, and, and, and they've done that. They, they've, they've taken God out. And if you take God out, you take all God concepts out. So, so now you don't have the word of the cross or the word of God. You have the word of man. Getting infiltrated into your mind, right? <clears throat> That's in the world. Even in the church, we have certain words that that kind of infiltrate. <laughs> one one that I've heard <clears throat> a lot is "secret sensitive." Secret sensitive means we present a non-offensive message in a non-offensive, non-evasive manner. Secret sensitive preachers consider. I'm reading this from the. What I found online. Seeker-sensitive preachers consider the use of words such as sanctification, justification, or redemption to be cardinal sins. Feeling that these words are Christianese, Uh, they purpose never to mention them for fear of confusing or alienating their seeker-sensitive audience. (laughs) Okay. Well, one thing I want to say, because I know Pastor Jeff, I know Pastor Ben, I know Pastor Shane, and I think I know myself, and as, as long as we're kind of steering this ship and, and, and being pastoral leadership in this church, we will always preach Christ crucified, the full word of God, <laughs> and not waver from that. If we ever get away from preaching the cross of Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that you're not good enough to do it on your own, you need a savior. That you have to bow to. If if that message ever changes in this place, I'm out of here. <laughs> and as long as we're here, it, that's not going to happen. Amen. Oh, I thought that was cat clapping. Over was that clap? Cat? Oh, there she goes. Okay, I feel I feel good now. There are no. I've been listening to a lot of preachers online, and I'm starting to not like a lot of them more and more. I'm sorry, but um, there's some good ones, though. But messages on sin, hell, holiness, heaven, you don't hear that. I mean, if we say, we're going to have a seven-part series on sin, okay, aren't you excited, right? So You know, the, the world says, now remember, if I take out God, I take out sin, Right? So if I take God God out of the equation, I take sin out of the equation, then I can say, and there's some clever preachers that sound like they're preaching the gospel, and I'm not going to say names because we're online. I should, but I won't. That are preaching so close to the gospel, yet there's a core that there's not really a hell because a good and loving God would not send anyone to hell. And God loves everybody. So there's nothing you have to do except be born into the world. And God loves you so much that you, anything outside of you trying to do, any, if you try to do something, that's called works. Even repentance is work, so you can't repent because that's a work. You don't need to be water baptized. That's a work. You don't have to live holy, and I'm, ta- I'm not kidding you, because that's a work. You've got to let God do that through you. And if you screw up, you just go to him, and he'll he'll say, "Okay, oh, nice. oh, that's okay, son." I'm I'm telling you, they say there's no sin. There's there's doctrine going around that's depleting sin from our vocabulary, right? And I'd like to suggest that that if 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 there really was no sin, then Calvin Klein, Levi Strauss, who else? I don't leave anybody out. Wrangler. Got some country folk in here where Wranglers, right? The clothing companies wouldn't be in business if it wasn't for sin. Why? we got to cover ourselves up. Adam and Eve, when they disobeyed and sin entered, what happened? We're naked. Who, who told you you were naked? Right? Okay. So, what did they do? They started, they went to the fig tree and started putting little leaves on and stuff like that, right? So, so there's sin. That's a word in our vocabulary that will not go out of my vocabulary. The cross is a word in my vocabulary that won't go out of my vocabulary. <laughs> there, are, there are some national religious groups that have taken all the cross and all the blood songs out of their hymnals. There's four groups, four groups, one in Canada, three in the United States that said, we don't want, we don't want that because that's a, that's a gruesome, gory gospel, and we don't want to preach a gruesome, gory gospel. We want to preach, and they don't say this, but this is what's happening. We want to preach a gospel that's tickling to the people's ears, that they hear what they want to hear. If, if you're serving a God that only tells you what you want to hear, you need to find another God because that's not the God I serve and know. You need to be... You, we need to serve a God who, who I know in the form of Jesus Christ came to the earth, took on my sin, died for me. He did what I couldn't have done if I lived 10 of my lives. He shed his blood... For me, back then, 2,000 years ago, when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. When he was on the cross, you were on his mind. How do we know that's true? Because he says, before you were formed in your mother's womb, Jesus knew you when he was on the cross. He was thinking of you by name. He knew your actual earthly name even before your mom and dad gave you that earthly name. I can't deviate from that. I can't not speak that word, right? And nowadays people you you know, I think of like so Adam and Eve sin and then Satan comes up and gives that that crazy question and he said, did God say did God did God say that? Now What's happening in society now, they have taken that serpent-devil concept to a whole new level. They're not even saying, did God say? They're saying, God couldn't have said it because there isn't even a God to have said it. And they are demanding that what they think, you can't even say anything against it. They're saying what, they th- what they're putting into you, that word, is truth, according to them, and if you say anything against it, as Pastor Ben said last week, they're going to say, oh, you know, you're, a, you're a hater. You're a racist. You're, you're all this stuff. You, you hate these people. We, we don't hate the people. We hate what they're doing. Now, sometimes it's different. The problem is, is we have so much problem with the second part of that, what I just said, that we can't deal with the first part. We, we have so much trouble with the sin that we, we think, I don't even like that person. You've got to be careful. We have to love them. Because the message of the cross is a message of love. It's a message of truth, and it's a message of love. Say, it's a message of truth. It's a message of love. That's one thing. You can't separate that. You can't separate truth from love because the word says, speak the truth in love. If you're speaking anything, if, if you're speaking the truth out of hate, then you're not actually speaking the root of truth. If you're speaking the truth to control someone, you're not actually speaking the real root of truth because that's truth in manipulation. The scripture says, speak the truth in love. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. That means there's no the truth in life. No greater love has any man in that he lays down his life for his friend. So speaking the truth in love, that's what Jesus did, and that's what we receive. We receive real truth and real love in one place and it's at the foot of the cross of Jesus amen and if anybody says anything other than and you got to really be careful with some of these doctrines you know the scripture says don't be tossed to and fro by every what's the word give me a King Jimmy word every wind of doctrine everybody say wind of doctrine What's doctrine? That's a teaching. What's a wind? It's something that blows in and blows out. Some people are are. Do you remember they had this little game? I I used to love it, and I know the commercial by heart. Um, It was this little guy, and he had it, it was a it was called Operation. And And it had these little pieces inside of him, the bone and all the spleen, you know, all this stuff. you had this little metal thing. you guys are too young. I'm preaching to a young crowd today. And you had this little thing, and you had to reach down in and 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 pull out these these random little pieces and and if you if the metal touched the side, his nose lit up and went, Arr. do you remember that you remember, you remember that right right uh, uh, Operation the wacky Doctor's game. you know take out a spear rib for one hundred dollars, oh don't do that, don't touch the sides oh here goes this funny bone. you know the whole you know that. <laughs> You know, um, and then it said, "Operation: The Wacky Doctors Game" from Milton Bradley. We're we're in a society where there's a wacky doctrine game flying around, where where they're just coming up with this stuff just to be something new and something different. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's better. Now I'm not anti-new stuff, but I'm just saying, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. All right. There's a lot of wacky doctrine, and I don't have a word that rhymes with doctrine, so I'll end my song right here. Okay, so, so, so be careful what you hear, because some stuff sounds really good, but it's not. Paul said in Galatians 1.8, if I or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel, okay, um, in 1823, this angel named Moroni... Appeared to Joseph Smith and told him that there were these ancient recorded engrave, these ancient records engraved on plates buried in a hill by his house. Okay, sorry, Joe. <laughs> sorry, Mormon believers. <laughs> Paul said, "If we were an angel from heaven, isn't it funny that that angel? This just hit me, Moroni." First part, take off the eye. Oh, okay, I didn't say that. It says moron. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm just reading, okay? Oh, Charles Taze Russell, he founded Jehovah Witnesses. When he started to dispute some traditional Christian views, the Jehovah Witnesses were born. The Holy Spirit, he says, is an impersonal being and here's the biggie. The biggie in the in the um, it's called the New World Translation. That's the Jehovah Witness Bible that they use, okay? which is King James chopped up and put in a blender, and seeds taken out and stuff like that. that you know, you know what a core thing in the in the New World Translation, which is a Jehovah Witness Bible, is they take out the word cross and they put the word stake. Now I've studied that and I understand the Greek words there, but they twisted it, that, that Jesus didn't die with his hands like this, outstretched arms, the pierced side, not like that. He was actually tied to a stake. They, they limit the atonement. Many, many groups limit the atonement. Many groups limit the, this, what the saving blood of Jesus Christ does for you. If, if, you take away, if, if you're in a bloodless church... You're in a lifeless church because the scripture says the life is in the blood. That's why we say, There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power... What kind? Wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. And that's a word we'll hold to. If I or any angel preach any other gospel unto you other than that which we have preached unto you, he says, let him be accursed. Not, well, it's just let him go. No, it says let him be accursed. Now, Catholics have the cross, but they have Jesus still on it. And when they take communion, they believe in something. Here's a 75-cent word. It's called transubstantiation. What that means is when the priest, who's the only one that can do the, he's the only one, no member can do that. A lot of groups say, you know, only pastors can do the communion. I had a very detailed conversation with somebody not long ago, and it was a pastor, and we were in a group, and we were talking about that, and he was just so... Biblically inept. I couldn't take it anymore, and and right before we walked out the door, sometimes you just put your foot in your mouth when you shouldn't. But but I, you know I just did it, and I said, "You need to read your Bible." <laughs> and and my friend said, "Mark, okay, we're ready to leave. We have what we need. Let's go." I said, okay. Sorry, I just couldn't take it. But but you know the Catholics believe that when they pray, when the priest prays over the wine, it actually becomes the actual physical blood of jesus and the that the bread actually becomes not sign, not signifying or symbolic of, but it actually turns into the actual physical blood of Je- uh, bre- the body of jesus thus in my head re-crucifying jesus every week i don't care if you have a cross I, I i'm not into crucifixes but i like crosses because i want to see a cross without jesus on it because he's not on the cross anymore that shows me he's not on the cross he went to the grave and resurrected on the third day so if you have a crucifix get get yourself a regular cross those are good ones okay Charles Spurgeon said, let the bare cross speak. And it declares that the one sacrifice is accepted and the atonement is complete. Sin is put away. The work of reconciliation is accomplished. And Jesus has gone up on high to his father's throne to plead for the guilty, he says. Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. He is risen for our justification and we are accepted in him. Bloodless Christianity leaves leaves a void that you 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 just you just don't you can't have. I was in Fort Wayne, Indiana this past week, and um, I was with some some great pastor friends. And um, in the Thursday evening service, I've received kept texting me because I was out of touch, She says, "What's your message title?" I said, "I don't know. I don't know. I don't know." And then and then I was in that service on Thursday night in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and and got the message title, and it came from a song they sang. And, and, and I told them, uh, thanks for giving me the uh, icing on the cake. And this song is an old song, and it talks about, you talk about the word of the cross. This, this, this song kind of says, and nice I asked, Cat, would you come sing it? Let's give Kat a big God bless you because she's married to me <laughs> and she needs blessing, right? What's that? She, she with that's a football. Is that, you're not used to see me with a football? Nope. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> this song is called At Calvary. Would you just listen to the words of this? Here's here's the word of the cross.
1: Years I spent in vanity and pride Caring not my Lord was crucified Knowing not it was for me together. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty golf that God did stand To me There my burden So found liberty At Calvary Mercy there was great And grace was free Pardon there was multiplied To me Oh! Sight. I receive my sight, and now I have it. And now I'm and now I'm am happy all the, the day. day. One more time, we're done. At the cross, say, At, at the cross. cross.
0: Morning for the cross, yes. Oh. Woo. <clears throat> <clears throat> oh, let's land this plane. Ready to land this plane? Let's land this plane. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We didn't plan that, that just happens. You know how that works. I was thinking you know, in Revelation it said they sang a new song with these words. What was the song? Say it. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, and people and nation, right? I have a different version in my head, sorry. The cross is the most important thing. Without the cross we have no redemption, we have no salvation, we have no forgiveness, we have no reconciliation, we have no truth. And I was thinking of this the other night and this is this is so not like my thought and Pastor Shane will agree. I was walking in the hall with this and I don't like to say names, but but Um, somebody whose name rhymes with Bobby Cato (laughs) said, do you even know how to hold that thing? (laughs) He said, do you even know how to throw that thing? And I said, I'm going to have this up there, and if somebody falls asleep, I'm going to throw it at them. I'm I'm a good aim. You'll see it. I was thinking about football. and, And in the game of football, the football determines everything. Imagine having a football game and there's no football. It's like first downs, you see pictures, are measured by where the ball is laid. Touchdowns are measured whether the ball crosses the line. Out of bounds is tied to players' control of the ball and its relationship to the feet of the person holding it. You see that? Fumbles are determined by who grabs the ball. Field goals are measured by where, whether the ball goes through those uprights on that one picture there, right? When you think about it, guys fight over this. They rejoice over this, and their desire is to possess it. Imagine if you had a football game, and there's all these people, and, you, and the stadium's packed, and the teams are there. Everybody's there. And somebody forgot the football. I know that's crazy. That's just how my brain thinks. I was thinking this the other night. Without the football, everything else that goes on in the stadium is a waste of time. A lot of times in churches at Easter, we think of the cross on Monday. And in a lot of places, they go back to not putting the proper emphasis on it. That would be like the NFL deciding to supply a football only for the Super Bowl but not use footballs in any of the other games leading up to that. How strange would that be, right? It isn't enough to gather together in one place on a Sunday. It's not enough to get the right people, other believers. It isn't enough that there's a program and a plan and books and seminars and worship on Sundays, personal devotions through the week, whatever you do. That's all good and essential. But it all means nothing if it's missing the main thing. If we leave out the cross, we're only left with an empty shell called religion. In Hebrews 12.4, it actually says, and you can't read it because it's blurry. <clears throat> he himself, 1 Peter 2.4, he himself bore our sins. He bore our sins. By his wounds, you have been healed. So great is salvation. It's all about the cross. Say, it's all about the cross. <clears throat> We're going to land this plane. Here we go. In Galatians chapter 6, Paul wrote... It's kind of interesting. Don't miss this. In large letters with his own hands, he said, notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't keep the whole law themselves. These people trying to tell you their words... Don't even keep of the words themselves. Are they moral people telling us this stuff? No. They're anti-God, right? They only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples. The world is trying to get you to listen to a different word that's not the word of the cross, it's not the word of the Bible, it's their word. And 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 it's based and rooted in demonic sin. I believe I believe there's sin, but but I don't know, I, I'm calling it demonic sin now because it, it, it's gone way past anything I can imagine or think. Uh, when you when you can get when you can get a a four year old kid that decides he wants to to have his body altered physically and, and and not tell the spirit that that's wicked that there's there's a demonic force coming into into the world and and it's infiltrating in ways as as the serpent was very sly he was the most cunning of all creatures it just slips in it slips in and the scripture says come out from the world and be a separate we're living in a day and age now where you have to stand on the word of the cross stand on the word of God and literally you 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 are mingling with the people, but you have to come out of their, of the world's ways and the world's system. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. It used to be back when, when we were in a certain denomination that rhymes with UPC. <clears throat> we weren't allowed to have televisions, and we all had televisions because we were just kind of rebellious. And well, we didn't let our pastors know that, but we kept it in a different room. And when he came to visit, he didn't go in that room because we wanted him to think we didn't have a TV. He had a CB in his car, which I thought was worse, but we didn't have a TV. So so I'm sorry. Thank you for my counseling session there. And and, and now I'm kind of flipping the switch going, television. whoa, I don't know about TV. Unless you have something like Roku or, or YouTube where you can watch your own stuff and not, not be watching a really good show and then have this commercial that has the world saying, I know what you think, but here you go. And then it's so obvious. And we literally go, I mean, we... And sometimes we just stop watching what we were watching because we can't. I I refuse to watch two men. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I refuse to watch two men kiss in the commercial of a show that I'm watching that had nothing to do with that. I'm sick of watching things and listening to things where they're trying to say, this is what you're going to believe. This is how you're going to think. And you're going to become one of our disciples. That's the doctrine of demons and you will become a disciple of the devil himself if you listen to that stuff and it will pull you in. Trust me, it will. Come out from among them, be separate. As for... Me, he says, I may never boast about anything. Read this with me. As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. Now, if you have, hey, let's go check this out. Let's go go see, what is this? What is it? Hmm, hmm. Satan's curious, you know. He didn't come in as a roaring lion. He came in as a, as a slithering <laughs> say slithering snake three times. It's like, you don't even know it's there. It's like, ooh, where, where did that come from, right? It, it, it's, I don't even have interest. I don't even want to watch it. I don't even want to see it. I don't even want to be around. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is what? Rather, we have been transformed into a new creation. Where does this happen? It happens at the altar. I've been in a lot of churches that, that don't have altars. They have stages, but they don't have altars. They have lights and smoke and cameras, and I love, I love tech stuff. I'm, we're doing some stuff that's going to take us to a new level soon here. But don't ever diminish the power of this place at the cross at the cross by first sunlight burdens of my heart rolled away it was there by faith i received something see it's not that god wants to tell you something it's that he wants to put something inside of you that becomes who you actually are And on the altar, why a lot of churches don't like altars? The altar is called the altar because it's where people come to make sacrifices. I remember Larry, well, I don't like to say names, but the guy's name rhymes with Larry Ricketts. And he brought a backpack up on the altar. And later, Did you, you read that service? Remember that? You guys don't remember that? Do you remember doing that, Larry? Yeah, he remembers doing that. Good. I want to make sure I was right. I know that's what he did. And he he brought this to the altar. Why? That's where people make sacrifices. I've seen in so many services where churches, no one comes to the altar, no sacrifice, no repentance, no response. We have people pray for specific needs, but if if the word of the cross is speaking to your heart today, wouldn't it be a great thing on Father's Day, if you don't know Jesus this morning, you need to come to the cross. It's the only place where you're going to find your answer. You don't believe me, go try it. Go, go listen to that world system. Go listen, go try. You know what it'll do? The enemy comes to do three things, steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says this morning to you, I have come that you might not only have life, not just life, but more the name of our church. <laughs> Abundantly. Choose this day whom you will serve. What's my response to that? I didn't know about you, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it starts at the foot of the cross. Don't ever diminish the foot of the cross if you don't know Jesus, you need to go come to the foot of the cross. If you know Jesus but you say, man, I got some of this, this world system stuff messing with me, bring it to the foot of the cross. You don't need anybody to pray for you. Be careful. When people, just because somebody comes to the altar doesn't mean you need to run down and lay hands on them. Sometimes you need to do your own personal sacrifice. And there, and there might be some of you this morning. Let's stand. There might be some of you this morning that, that you just want to say, God, God, I need to come to the foot of the cross. I haven't been to the altar for a while. I know it's not Easter, but I'm still thinking of the cross. Because it's at Calvary, where my sins were washed away, where my healing came from, where my deliverance came from. My sanctification, my justification, my purification, all the cations in there happen because of the cross. Let's read this last scripture. We're going to land the plane. The cross, I want to tell you this. The cross is not a negative message. The cross is a positive message because without it, you don't have life. Until you realize that somebody died to give you life, you yourself cannot have life. <clears throat> In this church, we're, we will never stop singing blood songs. We'll never stop singing cross songs. We'll never start, stop singing salvation songs. We'll never stop singing songs about the altar. Right, Logan? <laughs> she said, oh, look, the songs fit the message. I said, of course it does. That's how it works. Galatians 2.20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by what? Trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. Ready for this in the Passion Translation? Let's read this together. This is our declaration. I always like to end with a declaration. This is the same scripture, except it's in the Passion Translation. Read this with your outside voice and then we're going to sing and and come ready go my old identity has been co-crucified with christ and no longer lives and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine for the anointed one lives his life through me We live in union as one. Here it is. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me, dispensing his life into mine. Wow. He's saying,